Let me know when it's rolling, Danny Palm. We are live. We are live, Danny Palm says. Live from the 412. This Is this still the 412? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, to be honest. Does Connellsville have a different down the south? Do they have another one? That's probably 724. That's what I thought. I would say. It's just Pittsburgh that's 412. Yeah, pretty sure. I don't know. What's that's Butler? A, Butler's 724. Oh, wow. That's, that's what I'm saying. So yeah. Yeah. Like, that's weird because it's north and south, north and 724. South. And then even when you go east wow. towards like a frat end stuff, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a different area code. There. 717 is where I grew up, like central PA. Okay. But there's there's one more like rogue area code I've heard of that like I've never actually seen, but Pittsburgh does have another one, and it's like near the espresso machine grinding beans. Where'd your brother go? He's right here. He, oh, okay. He just right. walked in. Did he get his water, his sink water? Yeah, I think he put on the, the desk here. There we people, go. People tune in for the MMA talk and more. Well, these are the really important. This is the things. real, the real topics. So I'm from Butler, Pennsylvania, where we drink, we drink water out of the horse trough because there just isn't enough to go around up there. It's very true. That's how you grow up to That's be six, so eight, and, and jacked, dude. Look at these two. They drink the same water as the horse. Proofs in the water, guys. So the reason we were talking about the area code and the reason why he's drinking sink water is, I'm sure you guys can tell. We are not in our normal studio. This is a brand new space for us. This is the new normal. This is the new, the new normal, normal, ladies and gentlemen. Ryan and 247 Roofing have a new office out in Hickory, PA, so that's where we're at now. My phone doesn't have service here, so that takes me back to childhood. It's like the middle of nowhere. I never even heard of Hickory until they moved. Did you hear of Hickory? Exactly. I told I'm not sure like, it exists. You want to do this podcast with me? And he was like, uh, I think I'm going to have to go to work. Where is that? I'll just drop you up. <laughs> He was like, it's in Hickory. And I was like, what the fuck is that? Where Hickory? is that? I know. I was I was worried because when we scheduled the podcast, you have you have a flight to catch after this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be in Bridgeville. Like I literally didn't even know they were moving studios or anything. I'm like, okay, Bridgeville's like 20, 25 minutes from the airport. That'll yeah. be perfect. Then he's like, We're moving to Hickory. I'm like, oh, how far is that? Still 20 minutes from the airport. It doesn't make no, sense. No, no, it's not bad. Yeah, it doesn't I but uh, I don't know where I'm at. We're talking. <laughs> Pittsburgh is a geographical marvel in that I feel like no matter where you are, everything's the same distance away. Our dad <clears throat> came down. From, our dad lives in Ohio, and he texted us and was like, "I'm uh, I'm in Grove City." You know, so Brian was like, "Yeah, Grove City is about an hour away." <laughs> but it's funny because where we are in Butler, Grove mm-hmm. City is also an hour away. Yeah. And we were thinking about how like how's that possible? That's exactly. Yeah. We were <laughs> like, how the fuck can we be an hour south of where we live in Butler? And he is. You know, whatever, all the way up there and gross it. But no matter how, what's going on, you're always an hour away. That's so true. That's so true. My parents live in Butler. Takes me an hour to get to their house from like McKeesport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And yeah. it seems like it should be farther than that. I don't get it, man. The miracle of even like you can even distill that down. Even from my house to like Lawrenceville or the North Shore or South Side, it's like it's thirty always, minutes. Everything's always yeah. It doesn't matter which part of the city. Or thirty minutes. Whenever I moved, the, makes no sense. When I moved to Florida. Where the you know the time and the distance matters, and yeah. you factor in traffic. <clears throat> I tell people like where I lived in, I, like my first move to Florida, I lived in Pompano Beach, but I worked in Delray, and they're mm-hmm. about in no traffic or about twenty minutes away. But then you factor in traffic and you know, all that shit, like about 20, 25 minutes. And people were always like, "Man, you come a long way for work." And I was like, "No, this is, this is a commute. <laughs> this like, is super normal. This is just yeah. whenever." So whenever people were like, "If I were like." Uh, I worked in the bar, so like that's how I met people the first whatever three years I moved there, and 
uh, especially if I meet like a girl and I'm like, you want to go on a date or you mean whatever? They're like, sure. Where do you live? Can you pick me up? I'm like, yeah, I live down in Pompano. They're like, what? Oh, that's kind of far. And I was like, is it? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, do, I do this. Yeah. I do this drive four times a week. Like, yeah, super normal. Exactly. But I, don't, I think that's part of the culture too. Is it, like I that's said, that's probably if, playing into if it, everything's yeah. a geographical marvel. Like in that, it's always the same distance away. It's like, well, fuck, we just have to start driving. But, yeah. But down there, it's like, are you kidding me? Like. That's pretty weird. It's an undertaking everywhere you go. Yeah. Where I grew up, like the closest Walmart was 45 minutes to an hour away. Like I was in the middle of nowhere for sure. And I loved it. But that did the same thing for me. We're like driving 30 minutes somewhere. It's like, okay, of course, you have to drive 30 minutes. Oh, I feel like I got wrapped up. I grew up in such an interesting time. I mean, how old are you? 32. Oh, you're same age. Yeah. So we, we grew up in such an interesting time in that we kind of got to experience like that the the post eighties like modernization of you know whatever the the times you know in that we we can relate to the generation above us and that like we remember a time and everything mm-hmm. you know we play outside you know what I mean right but then <clears throat> we're close enough to the the technological generation yep. where like they're married to their phones and they you know like they don't they don't really know what it's like to be rough and tumble and you know yeah. all those shit <clears throat> so that we can relate to both you know it is like, really interesting and. <clears throat> So like my my stepson, he's twelve. If you take his phone away from him, he's like lost in the world. Like he, he could not figure out what to do. You, an hour of time to him must be an, is like an eternity. That's nuts. And and it, for me, it's crazy to look at and be like, bro, read a book, draw a picture. I don't know. Like, <laughs> there's so many things to do. There's so yeah. much, and it was like you don't get. And where I was from, uh, if you had to find an hour to kill, and it was like snow, like the weather was shitty, or you mean whatever. Yeah, yeah. That was it. You yeah. really had nothing to do. You really right. had to. You had to right. And it's crazy, like, for me, I'm like, bro, there's a pool, like, ten, like a five-minute walk from the house, like, oh, my God. What it's does crazy. he What does he eventually do? Like, does he just go I mean, crazy till he gets his phone back? No, he figures something out. Okay. I mean, he's, that's the thing is he generally is pretty, like, with it. You nice. Know? And, he, and it's it's more a thing, like, it's easy for me as a grown man to sit back and be <laughs> right. damn kid. But, like, <laughs> there, was a, there was a time when I, too, if, our parent, if my dad took the Super Nintendo away, it was you, you were crying yeah. in my room for an hour and a half. Is that like last Christmas? Like when's the last time you cried over a Super Nintendo? Uh, my my last bad report card. So <laughs> so so two Christmas. <laughs> nice. Uh, no, but <clears throat> dude, I am super happy that you're here. First of all, because oh, this has been a long time coming. Hell yeah, we've been talking about doing this for what? <sighs> forever. Five years now. You were one of the OG on the when it was still a Zoom podcast mm-hmm. when it very first started. I don't. I don't remember what episode number we did. One of the first five or ten, I would say, yeah. that we did. What was it three years ago? Now? Yeah, that's which is crazy. Also, we, we talked about doing like a long form kind of. Yeah. Thing, what back in two thousand? Probably find a picture of 16, us at 17. Butler hot dog. Yeah, Butler. <laughs> that was a good day. That was, that was awesome. Day. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. But yeah, man. So you're in town for stout fights, really? Yesterday, so I obviously wanted to talk about that a little yeah. bit. I saw the match didn't go your way, but no. how how was the experience overall? It was fun, man. I forget. Um, competing is my job, and it's weird because it's like it feels more and more like a job every time I do it. And I, I don't not not necessarily complaining. It's just that it feels more and more like a job in that it's not just putting your clothes on and. And going and doing it anymore, mm-hmm. you know, like especially whenever I fight, like I fight, fight, you know, right. Um, but I'll, one thing I'll probably never be able to to fully break away from, <clears throat> at least I hope, is that 
I do still enjoy it mm-hmm. in a weird way, you know? And I mean, it's not, like I said, there's a little bit more pressure, a little bit more like, I don't know how to say it. It's like, uh, I'm not just competing for me anymore. When I started, yeah. you know what I mean? I was fucking, I mean, really I was 17. Let's, but let's say when I was, you know, 19, 20 years old, it was just something I did. And I mean, obviously I had dreams and like, this was, I was always like, yeah, that's where I'm going to end up. Right. But, um, you know, I, I didn't have the full scope of it yet. It was just, you know, the same as how, you know, when you're 19 years old, what are kids doing? And I don't even remember. But the same as how you'd like, you wake up, you go hang out with your friends and goof off at a park. Right. It was right. Wake up, drink some coffee, go to practice, come home. You know what I mean? And it was, it was fun, but then fun in a way that it was like, it doesn't really fucking matter. Right. Right. And then now, and I'm not like, this, it's going to sound like I'm, talking shit but i'm not and now it's a thing where it's like every every competitive decision i make matters mm-hmm. you know like it's not it's not always good for my brand it's not always good for my whatever and again like it's not like i have hundreds of thousands of dollars in the balance but it is a thing where it's like <clears throat> okay well how does it look if this happens how right does it look if that happens and it, i mean ultimately i found that every i find every time especially the times it doesn't go my way that it really isn't that big of a deal it's just competing it's right. just having fun it's just doing what i love to do but there is a certain like a certain consideration that goes into every step that I make that wasn't there ten years ago. I think that makes perfect sense. So yeah, I mean, being where you are now, number three ranked Bellator heavyweight, one of the best heavyweights in the world in all of MMA, that matters. If you're yeah. going to put yourself on the line in a grappling, even though it's a grappling match, like it still matters. Yeah, and it's it's like you know, I'm I'm, I'm not technically married, but we you know we're engaged. We have a kid. We have a so, we're, so you're married. She's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> we tell we, when people come to the house, we tell them. Sure. We tell like the, the contractors and stuff. That's my wife. Tell my husband, you know, whatever. Nice. And then um, I'm a dad now too, so yeah. it's like I, I re- everything I do. There's just a little bit more consideration that goes into it, you right? Know? And not just in the I ha- how I perform sense, but also like what does this mean for me long term? Yeah. And it's you know it's I don't want to say I don't want to say it makes it less fun, but it definitely eliminates that. Kind of whimsical, like sure, you know, hey, whatever happens, happens. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, like I had, I every day when I walk in the door, I'm accountable for it. You know, for sure. And it's, it's just different now. Like I said, it's it's more of a job. Yeah. And that's what it looks like a lot of different things for a lot of different people. But that's just that's the way she blows. But that said, <clears throat> I wouldn't, I don't know, I wouldn't change it for anything. You know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, you're blazing a path, like love, you said. I love that, what I do, dude. Yeah. And it's again, it's special. It's so special. That I get to be. Mm-hmm. I've like carved something out for myself. It is. That's, not only can I make a living doing it, but a, a nice living. And yeah, dude. I get to, fucking, it's 9.30 a.m. On, <laughs> on, on Monday morning, I'm wearing fucking, my brother calls them hospital shoes. I call them, hospital shoes. I call, I call them easy access slip-ons. I mean, those are just, you're going to the airport. That's just smart thinking. Best one, I slip wear, on and off. I can wear this or maybe even like when I when I go to practice on Crocs. Every, every day of the week, it flip-flops and yeah, shorts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We, in our Florida. Group, in our group chat, Greg Jones. Our, our yeah. Shout out Greg Jones. Shout out Greg Jones. <clears throat> uh, Pennsylvania legend. Um, he pointed out that we had a guy who fought over the weekend who, who fought a tough fight and he lost. <clears throat> and um, he pointed out in the group chat that, like, there's only a very small percentage of people in the whole world that get to show up to – we're talking about these, you know, like a corporate head CEO. Yeah. But who make hundreds of millions of dollars a year, but they, they can't show up to work in flip flops and t shirts. Nice. 
That's a good point. Every every day I could, if I really wanted to, I could roll out of bed at nine fifteen, <laughs> kick in the door, go to practice, come home, and that's and that's your job. That's my job. And yeah. As long as I do my best and get better every day, that's that's I've sick. Fulfilled my obligation yeah. to myself and to my immediate surroundings. That's beautiful. Are you, you're full time just training now? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I've been for about about five years. Oh wow! Yeah. I didn't realize that. Even the last time yeah. we talked, it was like that. It was just start. I think whenever I came up, I'm trying to think. You you gotta go. Oh, okay. He's peacing out. All right, now give him a hug. You're good. No, I'm gonna give him a hug. You, yeah. See, this is how the Maori yeah. Bros do it. Even get get the hug on camera. Look at these. There's like 15 feet combined right there in that hug, dude. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys later, dude. That that Butler well rock water truly builds them different. <laughs> you got all of us. <laughs> well, your dad's giant too. Yeah, my dad's big too. Yeah, so it just makes sense. Yeah, you know, my mom's big too. You know, really? my mom's not as much a part of the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the fighting zeitgeist. <clears throat> people, you know, people that have been around and met my dad. My, my mom is definitely not part of the fight culture. I gotcha. But my mom's not a small woman. How tall is she? Five. Five nine maybe. Oh yeah, that's for, you, for a woman. That's, for a woman, that's like six ten. Your, your dad's like six seven or so. Six five. Six five. <clears> six okay. five. I think he was six six at one point, <clears throat> but then he um he had he had a back surgery and he, I think he shrunk a little bit. And mm. he, I mean, he walks around like this now. <laughs> Crazy. Part of the deal. Part of it. Nice dude. What uh, we were talking about your full time transition. Yeah. From, yeah. You know, so I came up. This would have been. 2000 maybe like the first couple months 2017 Mm. and i think i think that was around the time where i'd like had just started making enough money right do a full time and i mean i had like spout like i had a job where i was doing security so like it was just working weekends and it was like it fit in really well with my training schedule but it was at that point it was i was able to take long periods of time off right from that and I think like right around that time is whenever I, I told my boss like yeah just just leave me off the schedule I'll call you if something comes up and then I didn't work again for, I took a couple odd shifts here and there but, I never I didn't work like a real, yeah like a real meaningful bout of, never more than like a couple weeks in a row, and that was how satisfying was that? That's the thing it wasn't <laughs> like, somebody had asked me like, are, are you still working? And mm. I was like yeah you know I still do. Well. <laughs> I was like, they. I worked at this when I the last time I was meaningfully doing security. I worked at this. It was like a bar restaurant <clears throat> called uh, Galuppies, mm-hmm. and it was. It's like, um, you know, like Conley's and Butler. Yeah, kind of like. Yep. That. It's on a golf course. It's it. a restaurant. You know, whatever. And it's it's a popular spot, especially for like the older crowd. You know, the sure. cover cover bands, and it's it's a very it low, in, cool. very low impact job. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, the, the worst riffraff we'd ever get is like some 50 year old guys trying to sneak at a joint. You know, <laughs> dude, you have to, oh you, no. Yeah, exactly. And the, the worst, the worst problem I ever had was like the, the highest stress moment on that job was <clears throat> a guy would always bring his daughter to golf on the course after hours. So it'd be like nine thirty at night and him and his five year old daughter are out putting on the green. And I was like, look, bro, like I don't, Think any less of you as a, as a man. I just I can't allow you to do yeah, this. I yeah. remember, but he got super pissed. Oh my like, god! Like grabbed me by the shirt, and I was like, "Bro, what the? Fuck what are is you going doing?" On? <laughs> and it was, uh, we had it, it turned into a whole thing. So it's and it's a it was a county golf course. So here's me and this guy, and I'm like, 
it's usually a pretty and then the, the the best part what made it so low impact was not just me having to confront people but usually people's reaction was almost always like yeah okay like yeah, yeah. they knew they shouldn't have been doing it sure. anyway so they were okay whatever and they just <laughs> well you're not gonna kick me out are you that was the next question am i gonna get kicked out no just just go, stop go back and yeah. watch the music <laughs> yeah and there was, especially the, the the weed smoking older generation yeah, like, yeah i was yeah. like you know the deal you got to keep it in your <laughs> it's car not a big like deal. Yeah. exactly and especially now it's like people especially the time that they came from they go to a concert smoke some weed yeah you can't get caught with that no, but right. now it, especially in florida it's, it's basically legal in florida yeah these people it's like not only did i not care to begin with but the the legality of it if i called a cop they'd probably be upset that i wasted their time right right so i was like just take it to your car take it to the parking lot it doesn't even have to make it all the way into your car just <laughs> just you can't do it you can't do it right 20 here. feet 20 yeah. feet away from where people are eating it makes perfect sense and <clears throat> like i said the so when I first moved to Florida, I was working like the bars and the clubs where it was like every weekend. There was, there was weekends where it was like every day there was a fight or someone mm. someone was gonna see me in the alleyway with a knife or something, and I'm like, bro, I can't do this. Ugh. I did that for a while. Luckily, landed this job at Gallupi's. and then like I said, someday, some at some point, somebody had asked me like, yeah, are you still over there at Gallupi's? It was my teammates, um, Logan Storley, Chaz Skelly. They were I bumped into them one day because they were golfing. Nice. So they had made it. They were nice. not working anymore. <laughs> and I had just started my shift, and they were just walking off the off the, the back nine. That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> it was like, sorry, guys, not where you're at yet. <laughs> yeah. But about uh, maybe probably three, six months later, I'd finally stopped. <clears throat> and they're like, yeah, you still over there at Gallupi's? And I was like, yeah, you know, I... Actually. Huh. <laughs> when was the last time I worked? And then that was when it dawned on me, like, Oh, that's crazy pretty cool that it wasn't like a conscious decision no, you just kind of grew into there, that there wasn't yeah. there wasn't this this like watershed moment sure of like gerard it's done <laughs> i just told him i i can remember telling him at one point yeah you know like go ahead and take me off the schedule like i'll, I'll call you whenever yeah. i come back and he was like my boss was fucking super understanding really cool and he was always he was a type that like i remember i had to call off for a shift and i called but like a whole week and if oh like, hey, yeah! I'm not, I'm not gonna be able to work at uh, his park tavern. I'm not gonna be able to work at park tavern this weekend. He's like, "What do you mean tomorrow?" Like it was a Thursday. It was a Thursday. Yeah, yeah. And he was, I was like, "No, no, no, next week." He was like, "Oh yeah, usually when I get this call, it's like an hour." Before yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, so me giving him the heads up, go ahead, take me on the schedule, I'll call you when I need to come back. He was really like, cool. Yeah, he was, and like I said, he even he had told me when he hired me, like, "This isn't that kind of job, dude." Like. Mm-hmm. Fighting's your career, and if you get married, that's your family. You should, all that stuff should be way ahead. Way of this. ahead of this. And then if you know, if you put this any higher above them or any lower down the priority list, okay, maybe we'll have an issue. But that's really cool that yeah. he was so understanding. Yeah, he was. He was awesome guy. Nice dude. It's good to be surrounded by people like that, which I feel like you have been kind of your whole yeah, career, my man. Whole career, been. Yeah. I don't know if it's lucky, fortunate. I don't know if that your energy just kind of attracts that as well because I feel like you're not going to put yourself in a bad spot either. Like yeah. you've been pretty smart about yeah, where you train, who you train with. I appreciate that, but it's also part of it's. I've been very blessed to bump into the right people. At the right That's time. true, man. <laughs> I think uh, Ryan Cover, who's like my first real boxing coach, who like we like picked up the reins together. We're like, right. let's really make a run at this. You know, <clears throat> I met him because I was doing some boxing at a gym and I'd always heard like stories or I don't want to say rumors, but like story, like right. him and my coach used to train together and then they, they fought at one point and then they trained together. And then <clears throat> he, um, 
he came into the movie store I worked at in Butler, family video. Mm. And I put his information in and his name came up. And I was like, are you the same Ryan Covert that used to trade with KP? And he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got started, you know, like, I forget how it came up. But he's like, maybe I'll come down and see you at the gym sometime. And I think that, and you'd have to ask him, but I think that in his head, he was like, I'm going to go beat the piss out of this <laughs> yeah. snapper. And we sparred and he realized, like, I was serious about it. Yeah. And he was like, and then, then really from that moment on, we were. That's so we sick. Just, we just took, and then here we are, whatever. Yeah. Ten years later, and like like I said, you one of one of him. Mike Demko was working my corner last night. He's a guy that. Same thing. Been around forever. Been around forever, and you know, like we, he, he and I like, are not so much like our interests outside of the sport, but like, um, as people, we just really gelled. Not just in our interested in the sport but like our philosophies yeah. are you know stuff like that like our our values they just really lined up right away and nice it just worked out he know? he's a guy i would love to have on the podcast too and i feel bad that i like i don't know more about him he's like the in the shadows everybody who's legit super pittsburgh mma og know. knows him and worked with him but he's not a guy that's constantly out no, front he was never he was never a guy that maybe that's why it worked so well was because i could always depend on him to like he was always in it for me, and mm-hmm. I and that was you only really get a handful of those people. That's really awesome, like. yeah, for sure. And even um, one thing that I, you know I've made it to the highest level, and I have a really good relationship with all my coaches now. Nice, but one thing I do miss is that like when I called Covert and Demko, it was go time, mm-hmm. Every, no matter what was going on. Yeah, but now there's like between like I said, <laughs> Henry, I do feel loved and cared about. And for I am, sure, I'd even say I'm a priority there. But there are other, There's, other yeah. things to consider. And it's, again... Stable's I don't, crazy it, there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, even even still, like, there's so much to consider. And even even if I have... I can remember weekends where, like, um, I fought this guy, Sean Teed. He's a CFFC champion. Mm-hmm. And he's making his Bellator debut. And that, that, that was a big moment for me. Like, sure. Was, this, is, this could be a big opponent. If I beat him, like, that looks really good. A guy from a different promotion. Yeah. A, a regional a promotion. Champ. With the, yes, a yeah. champion from a regional promotion coming up, like, yeah, and I was really excited, and my everybody else was excited <laughs> about it too, but it just so happened to be the weekend that <clears throat> I can't remember exactly who Michael Chandler was a backup for. I want to say Connor and Dustin. Mm. Some it was like right when the pandemic, right right when the Fight Island thing right. was, was happening. And um, the coaches told me, like, look, like, <laughs> you're prepared. We'd love to work this corner. Like, we just can't we, this we gotta, time. We got to be there with Chandler. And it makes sense. And I understood. Now, yeah. And again, like, don't get me. There was a little bit. Of, I don't want to say hurt. There was a little bit of like, oh, okay. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, <clears throat> now with some perspective, even looking back, I'm like, man, fuck, I can't. Yeah. I don't know if I can blame them either. You know, it, like, it is a business for them too, and for like sure. it makes sense, and, yeah. And not just not just in terms of self interest, but like the utilitarian approach. For like, sure. Hey, look, we have, we have to really like consider everything going on, and we have to make like a snap yeah. judgment. And like the th- so, I watched the fight, and then I I went to Instagram right away, and the first thing I saw was on Henry and Greg's story. They're all huddled up in a fucking hotel room watching my fight. Oh, that's awesome! In Abu Dhabi, and it was like nice. Great, like just, See, that still feels good. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. And then, like, to hear them, like, to hear, especially, like, <clears throat> Henry and Greg, like, yeah, like, that was... So like, cool. They, I don't think Greg realized it, but Henry was recording Greg watching it, <laughs> and Greg was like, that's the thing. You, 
our shit works if you do it. And I was like just getting all hyped up, and I was nice. I was getting hyped up. Fuck yeah, Greg's Greg's the type that like he's he's probably watching. If he ever does watch this, Greg's a fucking asshole, and he's a, as a coach, he's yeah. very hard to please, and he sets the standard super high, and it comes out in the wash. Whenever mm-hmm. if you can be in that environment and thrive and learn, you know. You really will excel and grow. That's and it, beautiful. It's, it's meant to be like a, a pressure cooker. Like he's very, especially when he's in coach mode, he's very hard to like. I could totally see that. Yeah. yeah. To get a, so that if you ever hear him say something, not just positive but complimentary, like mm. you know you did something really nice, right? So in that moment to see him like get for sure up, watch me was like, Dude, that's awesome. Fuck yeah, that's a big was, win. Oh, it's huge. So. How is Greg right now in terms of competition? Does he have interest in competing? Not MMA, but like a grappling tournament or anything? Probably not. I'm trying to get him up here for Sprawl in the Berg. That was my pitch for Greg Jones, the legend for a Sprawl in the Berg match. I mean, money, I, I, money just, talks, bro. Money talks. That's all, all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, um, I've, I've, had the, I've had the distinct pleasure of training with a lot of really good guys over the year, a lot of good wrestlers. And the thing is, when I train with guys who specialize in one discipline i make it a point to do just that discipline yeah nice so I, I roll at fight sports with cyborg and wagner and those guys i what's that like first of all before we blow past it oh, just what's what, that? i feel like i could spend an hour talking about <laughs> yeah uh i mean they're animals dude. <laughs> and the, the, uh, i've been going down there and i mean amongst the, the usual suspects it's so Cyborg is obviously like the, the team captain, as it were. Right. But then Wagner Rocha, who was our coach for a while, and mm-hmm. we, we loved having Wagner. But it became a thing where um, Wagner's Wagner's scope was too wide. Mm. He was he was with us, and then he was st- he's still competing. Sure. And then his kids are coming up now. Um, so it just turned into a thing where it just wasn't making sense anymore. Right. You know. Um, but the. About as amicable a split as you could have with nice. It just ended up being especially like, in this sport. It's yeah, always so yeah, messy. Yeah, it's always egos yeah. and yeah. testosterone. Feelings. Exactly. <laughs> but and I, I don't even know the the full gist of how it happened. But I remember that they just said in an off, "Oh yeah, Wagner's com- not coming up anymore," and we're like, "Oh, oh that's well, damn." But yeah. Then, but then, <clears throat> but then, sometime late, we were doing construction on the gym, and we couldn't train there for some reason. And Greg had said, hey, I checked in with Wagner. He said, anybody that wants to go down can go. Wow. That's awesome, man. And even, so even st- and then whenever I started seeing Wagner again more regularly, it seemed like on his side, too, was, yeah, you, it just, just a matter of fact. Drifted like, away. Yeah, look, it wasn't working out. You huh. know? And again, cool. so, and then Wagner still works with Gilbert. Have, like, okay. That makes Wagner sense. Wagner is still Gilbert's, I don't know about his head jiu-jitsu coach, but that's the guy he goes to. Sure. So, um, no, like, like about... Just like a, That's so cool, a truly amicable, is, and like I said, in this sport, you you never get that, right? But you know, just hey, we'll catch you on the flip side. He's even <laughs> he's been up a handful of times since and working out with Gilbert, and it's like nothing ever like happened. Nothing, yeah, yeah. Just, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know? Yeah. And then, like I said, to, for him to not only to have him up is cool, but when we go down there, he's always Open like, arms. he's always like just bring whoever you want. You know, we love having you. It's awesome to hear, man. I like yeah. that because he's he's nasty. Like his jujitsu is nasty, bro. He's like built for combat jujitsu. I feel yeah, like <laughs> he, has, he has a reputation for being like a I don't want to say dirty, but being like a, a violent, aggressive yeah. competitor. And people miss the fact that he's a stellar jujitsu oh, yeah, technician. Like, yeah, for sure. He, he knows jujitsu. I, I you know not just from rolling with him, but seeing him roll. You know he's. Like about as a world class a jiu jitsu practitioner as I know. It's, yeah, you know, just 
I, well, how different is grappling from fighting? You were talking about the preparation of it. Did you feel like nervous going into stout fights? Yeah. Is it the yeah. same? Yeah, same? It's always some kind of nerve. Yeah, right. I mean, the nerves are the nerves are <clears throat> a couple of things, but the the primary things I think with nerves are one your expectations of yourself, and two it's your body's way of telling your brain like. Hey, we're gonna do something dangerous, and I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, and I think yeah, where, yeah. I think where people, where especially where I get messed up is if you let the nerves turn into something that they're not. If you let the nerves turn into a thing where it's like, um, a little bit of self doubt is healthy. But if you let it turn into a thing where it's like, I'm not ready, I'm not cut mm, out yeah. for this, blah blah blah. That it, it can turn very ugly very quickly. Yeah. But uh, Customato had pointed out, you know, like fire, <clears throat> nerves can burn you to death or it can cook your food you know nice and um i every time i compete i it's it's a practice of that it's a repetition of of, Mm -hmm. is it it burning me today or is it gonna cook my food i like that and even then i really felt like last night i really felt like it was in cook my food mode i just yeah i was surprised i I, so i missed the actual match but i saw it was a heel hook yeah i was i was surprised that it was he was, was allowed to heel hook you honestly yeah i mean i know i walked into this thing like Bellator didn't care or anything. Like I don't know if they know, but the thing okay. is, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway, that, anyway, that didn't did happen you catch at all. A, catch a Steelers game last night. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm wearing a yeah. jersey. Yeah. Um, uh, no, That's Bellator. To, the, my, I'm not being a. I don't mean that, and I'm not keeping it from them. Um, I. I had a match with Nikki Rod. Uh, yeah, I wanted to talk about that at some point, too, because that's wild. How long ago was that? About a year and a half ago, maybe? Sounds right, yeah. Is it Christmas of not last year, the year before? So almost two years ago. Yeah. Um, and I really wanted to do it above board. Like, mm-hmm. the pay was great, and it was a fucking awesome opportunity. You know? Oh, but, yeah, dude. But I was... So I came off a, <clears throat> a win a few weeks before, and I was like... The worst thing I could do for myself politically would be one to compete somewhere I'm not supposed to because it was on Fight Pass, and two mm. get, hurt, get hurt in a grappling. Right, match. <clears throat> so, you had just one for Bellator a week. Be- okay, yeah, couple, like so, maybe a month before. Cool, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I talked to my agent, and I was like, "Can you can you please make sure?" And he's like, "I'm telling you, I think it's gonna be okay." And mm. I was like, "But can you just make but sure?" Can, yeah, yeah. And then Bellator. Talked to my agent. My agent talked to me, and he was like, "Yeah, it's okay. You're fine. <laughs> Relax." And nice. every I've taken that approach ever since. Like, I had to obviously, like I said, it's it's not just showing up, signing on the dotted line anymore. Yeah, people exactly. To, people to call, boxes to check, kind of thing. Um, but that's every every grappling competition. So I did Nikki Rod, and then a, almost a year later, I did Stefan Bonto's number one ranked brown belt mm. in the world. She got promoted to black belt. And then this match last night, every match since then, um, the heel hooks have come up every time. Yeah. And I'm of the mindset where it's like, and again, this isn't me making any excuses, it's not me talking bad, but I'm of the mindset every time that's like, okay, like we might as well allow heel hooks, but I'm not going to risk. And, and last night was the closest I ever got. He really fucking threw that thing on <laughs> fast, and I could tell he was gonna try to take it home. And the, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's the, what you do. That's the sport. Yeah. That's not. That's what you, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. I'm just saying that for me though, like Bellator probably doesn't care if I get tapped out, but if I Bellator calls, especially now, if Bellator calls mm-hmm. me and is like, 
hey, you're up in 10 weeks. Well, hey, I just actually, tore my I just tore my MCL. Yeah. Um, I'd be I'd be very surprised if I didn't get dropped or at least put on oh yeah put dude. on the shelf somewhere you know yep so and, and then you know, I mean you, an injury of that magnitude is not the same as like you know you, you bump or bruise you know a cut like your knee especially I'm 31 now if I were 20 yeah. if I'm 22 it's not a big deal I'm right 31 now like you may not be guys, the same after some guys, that yeah. some guys make a, a seven month turnaround no problem some yeah. guys, I know guys who hurt their knee at 25 and they're still not the same mm-hmm. it's just like one of those in that moment, in a competitive moment like that, where anything could happen, it's like, yeah, yeah, fuck, <laughs> you got me. And it's, I get it. Yeah. So Be- the reason I was asking is because Dalton Rasta, we just announced he's competing for us at Sprawl the Bird two nice. on October twentieth, and he's facing Tanner Hall from Stout. I don't know if you know Tanner or not. Black did belt he, from did Stout. He compete last night? Um, I don't know. I was no, I don't think he did. He wasn't on that card. I don't think I know him, but maybe if I saw him. Super legit. He grappled Jake Lowry at Sprawl the Bird oh. one. So it was a good match. But the reason I was asking is like... Maybe they have room for a heavyweight on that card. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll after talk, the we'll stream. Talk I, got, I got an idea for you. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, I don't it's Greg make, Jones. Maybe, it's maybe, you versus it's Greg, Greg Jones. Jones. <laughs> no. But... Uh, I, st- I had to... Well, I want to continue that. We we'll <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. have to get back to that. Okay. Minute, but. but yeah, when I was talking to Dalton, like he didn't request it or anything, but I just told Tanner and them straight up, like, no, he'll... I put that rule in That's place cool. because I'm like... Why risk this for Dalton? Yeah. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. Well, my thing is that. So, um, my I'll do that. try to make a. This is its own story, but AJ Souza, who's a very respected member of the jiu-jitsu community, <clears throat> is my brother-in-law, and he's also now my jiu-jitsu coach. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> why move the. Florida, AJ Souza had popped big when I first started training. Like he, he either was getting ready to win his first world title or he, or he did. And, um, in jujitsu. <clears throat> and, uh, whenever I was first talking about moving, he'd popped. And then whenever I moved to Florida, he, Gilbert and him were like training partners. Mm. So <clears throat> I'd, I'd seen him around at an open mat and Gilbert had, had always spoke really highly of him and point, he pointed him out. You should, you should go get some training with him sometime. You should get a good role with him. And, and um, it just never worked out. Like he was leaving when I was coming. And like one time I was, I think I was doing my own thing with Stefan while they were over there doing something. And um, it just never, never worked out. And then, um, but like I said, I knew who he, the second I saw him, I knew who he was. Right. <clears throat> and years later, I'm on a date with my fiance, my wife now. And <clears throat> she was like, yeah, my brother-in-law does that stuff. You ever heard of AJ Souza? No way. And I was like, yeah, yeah I, I have heard of AJ Souza. <laughs> turns and out. Turns out. And yeah. um, <clears throat> funny thing, funny enough, whenever I met him for the first time, we're on a double date. Like, That's and, so <laughs> funny, dude. So for, I've known him no for, way. I've known him for four years now. And he was my brother-in-law until about six months ago. And, um, after the Elias Ayev fight, I had to take a look at the mirror and be like, my jiu-jitsu is not the same as it was. Mm. And I, you know, kind of swallowed my pride and said, like, hey, look, I really need some help. And, like, <clears throat> I like your style, I like your approach. Like, let, let's give this a shot. Yeah. And, <clears throat> I mean, it's been awesome. And I, yeah. I feel like I'm learning a lot. I feel like, you know what I mean? It's the, the technical details that we missed in MMA, the, the jiu-jitsu guys, that's like, what do you mean you don't do that? What do you mean you don't do that? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. What do you mean you blah, 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 blah. Um, so anyway, after the match last night, I 
texted him and I was like, I got to figure out this heel hook thing because it's been an issue mm. in my last two. And it's again, like not making an excuse, but again, it's a thing where it's like, well, look, the heel hook is, that's the one where it's like, look, like if you get your, if your arm pops in an arm bar nine times out of 10, it's, it's just minor ligament. Mm-hmm. Very rarely do you pop a bicep or a tricep. If you get choked and you go unconscious, usually the, You're most, back. most yeah. refs are, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and most. That, and most. <laughs> most. Um, I've been in some questionable grappling tournaments. Um, <laughs> um, most most refs are savvy enough to pick it out. And then even if they're not, it, it kind of... And you're, and you're up. You're with it. Yeah, yeah. Your knee, though, especially your knee, is one where it's like... Just not worth it's it. It's just not worth yeah. it. And then again, like... It, if you grab... The, the, for the competitive, uh, the, the, the competitive integrity of the event, Yes, let's allow heel hooks. If, mm-hmm. you, if you catch me, you catch me. But I'll be the first to admit that, like, look, bro, I'm not going to have uh, uh, Usman Paharis and mm-hmm. Gary mm-hmm. Tonin level of it. Oh, dude. Or David Avellin was the one where he fucked him up. But it's like, look, dude, it's not mm-hmm. that serious for me. And yeah. Again, like, the opportunity to go out and compete and do what? If I, and if I won, I would have treated it like I won. But at the same time, like... I, it's not like that. But anyway, I texted him and told him that. He said basically the same thing. Like Everyone's arriving at the same logical conclusion in that, like, look, in MMA, that's not as realistic. But then I think about the exchange, the way it happened, and it was he was on he took me down, pop, like right off the rip. It was maybe 30 seconds into the match. And he ended up on top of me. I went for a sweep, and in the middle of the sweep, he grabbed my heel. Mm. And I think about how, like, to a degree, it's true that, like, yeah, look, the, the heel hook's just not as prevalent in MMA. Oh, yeah, because you can get punched in the face. Punched, <laughs> then, we've seen, for every one good heel hook we've seen pulled off, we've seen yes, three people get knocked off. Gary Tonin got knocked yeah, the fuck I out know. by That was Don nasty. Lee. What was it? That was yeah. one of the best knockouts I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so um, even AJ was pretty pretty understanding. And, yeah, look, but it, but I told him, like, well, look, that exchange could happen in MMA. Like sure. if he had if he had sat guard and like done like an Imanari roll or you know like a, like a De La Hiva and sat to like okay yes that's not gonna happen mm-hmm. but the the exchange and the way that it led to the heel hook that's a perfectly understandable sequence of events in MMA. Mm. Um, so I don't know it's like one of those things where I mean it sucks it's uncomfortable and I fucking hate losing especially in my my fucking town but like yeah um, not like it's his town too I'm not an asshole but <laughs> but. Um, but to come up and lose after so long of not competing here, it fucking stings. But at the end of the day, it's just just more data for the computer. Yeah, dude. More Back to the lab. Exactly. It's and, funny. And it feels good to have, you know, like opportunities like this are like are nice because it's um, an opportunity to like to get that kind of feedback in real time without without the the damage to my record or my 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 bank account <laughs> yeah, right right <laughs> you know so um i i think it's exciting that you still I, I like not that you're old by any means but like you still care so much that immediately after this you're texting your jujitsu coach like dude we gotta figure out this oh, heel hook yeah. thing like I, that's probably part of the problem is i fucking care yeah and i yeah i care a lot and then you know i mean it's something i part of i think part of the reason i've seen the success that i have is that i care and it's like sometimes i wish i didn't some days i wish i could like Bro, there have been brush it off. There have yeah. been there have been days where I'd be like, man, fuck, like, I want to just get a real job and I don't have to fucking think about it. <clears throat> yeah, 
But I I think know every that, fighter goes through that, right? Every, everybody. Yeah. And then even guys, guys who were, I know guys who were good, they went through it, and then they came out of that, and they were somehow better than they were. Linton is a great example of that. Wow, the good, yeah. And Linton, you know, like like my big brother. And yep. I, that the thing is, I kind of like, at the time, I was I was like knee deep in success, and I was I was you know we're talking like 26, 27, 28. Mm-hmm. So I was like, bro, what the fuck are you talking? Get a real job? Are you kidding me? No. But like. Hear him, you know. I mean, he he had like a bad stretcher for a while, and you know, he had a title fight, but then he went, he went like zero and three. Yeah, he, he lost his title fight, and he, he lost the next two after that. And to see him like go to a dark place of like, man, fuck, like I don't even know if I want to do that. Exactly. That's crazy, like, man. It's, the training and you know, I mean, at this time he's he was at the round. This time was thirty five, thirty six. Like around that time, it's if you were like twenty four, twenty five, it's like no, shut up. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But he's thirty five, thirty six. It's like. Okay, well now you're having a conversation that has some some rational some legs to there, it. yeah. So, <clears throat> and then I think Greg was the one, and then he hired a sports psychologist too. But Greg, I think, was the first person to be like, "Nah, fuck that!" Like, nice, and and <clears throat> it helped him get back on track. And you know, he's about to fight for a title again. And he's forty, and it's that's like, wild. But yeah, his resurgence is really remarkable. It's incredible. Yeah, it's really something else. <laughs> but when you see him, like when we came down to Florida that time, I. I get it. That dude is a specimen, bro. Oh, he looks... He's a freak. He just looks, he looks stupid. Like, he looks like a comic book character. Yeah. Like, he was just walking around with his shirt off, which I would, too, if I was if built like that. If I looked like, like that, that I, wouldn't, sure. I wouldn't own, I wouldn't own <laughs> no. a top piece of clothing. Yeah. Maybe like, a, I'm sorry. Maybe a coat that I could wear over. Yeah. yeah. And he's 40. Yeah. He's 40, Nuts. and he looks like that. And it's like, uh, Good for him, man. Good for him. But that's... In that gym, specifically, you guys have the advantage of, I'm sure, this helped him, too. If he's winning rounds in the gym, he had to know, like, he still got it. Because oh, you're course. with the elite of the elite every day. And that was part of, like, <clears throat> his first win on this tear was Sergei Karatonov. And a lot of careers go to die at mm-hmm. Sergei Karatonov. <laughs> and it's not, that, it's not that he's this immaculate gatekeeper, but Sergei Karatonov is just that guy that, like, just has stupid power in his hands and he's tough and he you know good everywhere good. like he's, yeah he's competent he's best on the feet obviously and he you know he's been there it's not even that he's good but he's been there done that so yep. you can't ever really show him something that'll take him out of his game right if you beat him or you finish him it's because you really got him mm-hmm. and um we were my friend Ong and i were talking before that fight and it was we were all super you know we're super nervous for him just because you know we, we knew the place he was at in his head and like but we we're thinking about how like damn like if linton shows up like the linton we know shows up this is gonna be the worst day of karatonov's life mm-hmm. and he, he went out there and put on the cor- the performance of his career up to that point like we're, yeah i didn't know he could fight like that you know that's awesome and like <clears throat> but it just goes back to what i was saying before about how like um he went through like a dark period and like <clears throat> I'm, i mean uh, i talked about the greg thing because yeah i mean it's part of the story, but I do think that like a big part of that goes to Linton being just having the mental resilience to be like, nah, fuck it. Like, dude, at the end of the day, it's you stepping in that cage against exactly. another man that wants to hurt you badly. Exactly. Like, <laughs> and that's, you have to be, you have to be a little bit fucked up to not be scared about that. Totally. You totally know, would funny, agree. Funny. Tyrone Spong is another, we could, we, like, I have, Stories on stories about Tyrone. But Between Tyrone, him and Rumble, you him Rumble, and then, so like you, I talked about training with people who are stellar at their their individual discipline. Right. I probably I have like probably an hour's worth of fight sports <laughs> stories, an hour's worth of. I wanted to talk about Gre- Greg. I've wrestled with a ton <laughs> of the long story short about Greg. I've wrestled with a ton of really high level wrestlers. And I never felt 
I never felt totally outclassed by anybody except for Greg. And the, the wow. killer thing is Greg doesn't train anymore. The last time Nuts. I worked, he used to like, he would like do some like play wrestling and like goof around. And he would, especially with Kamaru when mm. he would, him and Kamaru would like um, give each other a little bit of live work. <clears throat> but whenever he went with me, we were always just goofing around. Yeah. Yeah. And, but even whenever the, the competition, the heat of the, the, whatever the, whatever it was, was going on. I you could, could just I could, tell. I could, I yeah. could not do fucking. I couldn't. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, even even if I were wrestling with somebody who was better than me, I could usually you got a takedown or a whatever. Like, sneak something in there that that stirred the pot. Where Greg, it was like I couldn't get to his legs. I couldn't get to an underhook. If he put his fucking collar tie on, I was staring, done staring at the ground for ten minutes. It was just that's insane. Fucking miserable. And not was, to interrupt here, but Hunter, our one link is the Facebook link is acting. Okay, Facebook. What are you doing to us, bro? We're getting zucked. We're getting zucked. Um, I'm not sure, dude. If it's still rolling fine on the app and everything, we might have to just let it ride. Let's see what's going on. The beauties of live streaming, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, still, still good on the app. So, All right, cool. Yeah. Figure it out, Facebook. Stop being goofy. But yeah, dude, Greg Jones. I, I mean, that's what I mean. I, <clears throat> I wrestled back in the day, trained with Jared Rochal, uh, a three or four time All American out of Oklahoma yeah. State, and much, a big dude, big dude, and a, he was a much better wrestler than me. Let's not, <laughs> let's not get it twisted. But I felt competitive with him, and I could score takedowns and stuff like that. Elias Saev, the one time that I shot on him, I put him on his back real quick, real briefly. You know, Olympian. Yeah. Greg Jones, who is you know one of the best American wrestlers of all time. I would have thought that I would have been able to do something, but <laughs> how big? He's sm- considerably smaller too, right? Like, like too, what? he was, especially at this now, he's maybe a buck ninety-five. Yeah, the time, the time in question, he's two hundred five, maybe. Okay, that's still that's honestly bigger than I thought he would. Yeah, have but been, I was. But... We're, we're talking about me. I'm two hundred forty pounds. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like competing and sure. training every day. And he and just rolls up like here's Greg. Whatever. Greg is a super <laughs> erratic sleeping schedule. Has two kids. Yeah. Just comes in and coaches and. I'm th- you know what, what I mean? Like it wasn't competitive. It was not. <laughs> not not and, I, and I was actually trying. Like, I was really <laughs> trying to do shit. Like that's he was, amazing. You know, just, he's just styling on me, like making me look like an idiot. He's <laughs> a bad like, dude, man. Oh, yeah. a, one time, Linton, him and him and Linton were like jawing each other one time, and Linton ran up behind him and grabbed him with a body lock. Hmm. He so from behind, standing, he picked him up and like went to like like suplex him basically. But what happened, Greg's savvy is so good that whenever he picked him up, he based out and put his hands in Linton's pockets. Oh so when Linton God. went back for the suplex, Linton landed flat on his back. <sighs> Greg landed on top of him in like side control, basically, and just stayed there. And it was like... Oh, can't even get him like oh a ninja. Can't even was, sneak attack him. It was fucking crazy. That is just, nuts. It was so <laughs> impressive to see him like... Oh, my God. I, I asked him, like, I'd always... Especially around the time that I was... He was fucking me up. I yeah. was like... What, why didn't you do? Why didn't you take it to like the senior level? <clears throat> and I think he told me like one, well, he, competing was tough for Greg. But sure, he was put a mentally. Lot of, yeah, yeah, competing was hard for Greg. And um, I think he told me the, the more succinct answer was um, he's like it just wasn't a goal. Mm-hmm. He wanted to do the college thing, and then that makes I I really I respect that. that. I fucking yeah. love that. And it, and it was just one thing I can always trust about <clears throat> Greg is especially when it comes to like competitive endeavors. It'll be honest with you. If something sucks or whatever, he'll he won't usually he is the decorum to not tell you you suck. Mm. But he'll he'll say you know no like that needs work. We can we can improve on that. 
But like, you've got to be honest in yeah, this game. To hear that's the thing. You hear people say like, you hear people say all the time, especially fighters, like, I don't know, it just wasn't a goal, and blah blah blah. And it's like, I I really. So, so I'm talking about this competition. I'm doing the best I can to not sound like I'm just trying to make excuses because I'm so fucking sick and tired of hearing, especially other fighters, fighters that I know and love and respect, but they make excuses and they're mm-hmm. lying and they're just, they'll say whatever they can to make themselves feel better. Rather mm-hmm. So with Greg, like I've talked to him, he only lost three, four times in college. And to ask him about the times that he lost, he's very like forthcoming about I remember the first time, whenever I first moved there, it was around the first time my first pro fight. I was talking to him about Rashad. And Rashad, I think Rashad was one of his last two losses in college. Mm. And Rashad was not was not a Greg Jones level wrestler. Right. Well, very few never, people were. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he, Rashad never made yeah. All-American. I know ever. what you mean. Yeah. He, and then Rashad, I was stellar, one of the best fighters ever. He's a legend. I mean, sure. Rashad's a good friend. I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying that. Greg Jones was on like, pure credentials. They were the same. Yeah, on credentials on accolades on skill. Greg Jones is one of the best that ever did it. Mm-hmm. You know, like on a Kale Sanderson level. Yeah, like yeah, just one of the best. And Rashad, who is a very good athlete and very good fighter, just wasn't just was not on the same. But he beat him in college. Mm-hmm. Um, so here I am talking to Greg about. I think it was about how he <clears throat> got started. And the first thing he said was, "Well, you know, Rashad beat me in college." And that kind of forthcoming honesty to stop me in the middle of a conversation where I already knew that, first and foremost. I already knew that. And yeah. I thought that he knew that I knew that. Right. But he didn't. He made sure to stop me. But wait, wait, okay, so you know that Rashad beat me in college, not the other way around. Nice. So <clears throat> that's what I mean whenever. So when I go back to like Greg, why didn't you do it at the senior? Why didn't you go be world champion or make the Olympics or whatever? To hear him say, like, it just wasn't a goal of mine is just. I believe him. Yeah, believe, yeah. I, I, it carries I, more weight with exactly, him. Yeah. Like in a world where so many people, oh, I, I didn't, I hurt my knee. I, I wasn't feeling it that day. I, uh, I didn't get good enough sleep the night before. To hear enough, to hear the fucking excuses and the rat, and especially when I beat people, it's almost. I don't believe that it's ever on the person who lost why they lost. It's always what the winner did right. Mm. I would think ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the time, we, barring like freak injuries, like. Sure. Raphael Fazia of his knee when he threw a kick. Yeah. Nothing you can do about it, that. That happens. Yep. But that's that is the one in literally a thousand exception. No, yeah. the other guy just won. The guys who break their legs whenever they get their, their kicks checked. I mean, it's obviously unfortunate that that happened. But again, like it's a valid technique. But you got you kicked a hard check, like that's mm-hmm. kickboxing one oh one. You don't do that shit. But anyway, to hear Greg just say, like, yeah, look, I just wasn't a goal. <laughs> it's That's like, crazy. It's like, damn, okay. <laughs> like, but also, it seems like he settled into coaching so well. Yeah. Like, it, this is made for him, man. Like, the yeah. wrestling of that place, like, we were talking about the room in general, but there's, like, Storley, you mentioned mm-hmm. a second ago. I mean, yeah. he's one of the best. We think about, <clears throat> you think about, so, like, another one where, this is just recently I talked to him about it, where I was talking to him about, like, I th- when I'm done fighting, I think for sure I'm going to be a coach. Not just because, not just because it would, it's you know a direct avenue right. into more work, but I also think like I truly feel it in my heart. Like I have a lot I can give back. Yeah, and I, for I, sure. I really feel like, especially now that I'm 31, so I'm not I'm not like old by any means, like old old, but I'm not like a spring chicken. Mm-hmm. I, I've been around the block and like I've I've fought in Bellator and everything this and that. There are, we have a lot of young up and coming guys coming in, and even the guys who are who are my age that are coming in from other sports, you know, the wrestlers, the jiu-jitsu yeah. guys. I do feel like I have to take on sort of like a mentor role for mm-hmm. them. 
and I feel like I not just not just do it well, but I, I relish the opportunity to to be a light to these guys who nice that that I didn't necessarily have. You know, I mm-hmm. don't get me wrong; I had the right people around me, and they they were always there and supportive. But I, I did have to kind of hack my way through the jungle, as it were. And um, <clears throat> I really do see myself someday, especially now that like I'm doing it and mm-hmm. like figuring it out. I could really be somebody to to these kids that I didn't always have. And um, <clears throat> I was talking to Greg about it, just about like coaching and this. You know, he kind of like, like I said, a lot of the time when me and Greg, Greg and I's coaching conversations have changed a lot. And especially nowadays, it's more like direct and succinct. And, yeah. You know, like. Not that, like you just didn't do it well, or like, hey, you did that really well, but you should try this next time, or you yeah, know, whatever. Yeah. Um, or like even this grappling thing. Like, I told, hey, like I'm I'm going up to Pittsburgh next weekend. I'm gonna do this grappling thing. Oh, that's cool. Where? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's in downtown. I think uh, the stout people are putting it on. Who's that? Oh, it's a Hensel Gracie affiliate. Okay, let me know how it goes. Sounds good. Yeah, and that was it. And then and then you can't ever get them to sit in one spot for more, for more than I think that was the longest I ever got them to sit still and talk to me. Nice in a in a non fighting sure sure whatever so and that was it um <clears throat> but i was talking to greg and I, you think about so like the olympics like you would think that he would d- directly parlay his college success into a, a senior right. level career and he, he's just like yeah it just wasn't for me <clears throat> i was talking to him about like you would think that the next natural route would be okay why don't you open a club i think greg jones not just not just the coaching ability but on credentials alone could mm-hmm. open you know jones wrestling club and like, for sure people would come even in Florida, people would come from miles to learn from yeah. Jones. And um, it's like, I was talking to him about it. <clears throat> he was like, <laughs> he was he was asking me, okay, who do I see myself coaching? And I was like, I just, I could only see myself coaching guys at the highest level. And mm-hmm. it's not, not because I, I think I'm too good for, you know, like the amateurs or whatever. It's just like, I feel like I have a better style and a better, whatever would be better for those those guys were making the step up mm-hmm. and I talked to Greg about what, you know, like why not do like a kid's program? I like, I think you would, it'd be awesome. And he, again, was very forthcoming in that. Like, yeah, look, I think I could, I could do it and do it well, but one, like kids aren't really my thing <clears throat> and other people's kids, he's great with kids, but he's like, yeah, I don't know if I could do like a whole kid's team. Right. And he had said, you know, like, and there, there's just, he said, and like you said, there's just something, something about doing it at the high level. I don't. I don't think dealing with the kids is the problem. It's dealing with the kids' parents. parents. Yeah, kids are kids are awesome. <laughs> yeah, kids are great. It's the parents that. Well, again, like, and if I had to deal with, even um, Demko had a really prolific kids program, and I can remember a few parents. <laughs> that if I were the coach, I would be like, "You have to watch from the car." From the yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, please stay in the car. You, you can't like. Yeah. Oh my God. I'd well, lose it. And Demko is Demko is very has a runs a very regimented program. You need to for kids, but runs a very. Oh yeah. Regimented. A strict regimented program, and he's obviously very diplomatic with the, the parents. Of yeah, them. but even still, like I could see it get to him sometimes. Oh, these parents, I can imagine. Are, yeah, they were like 30, 40 pounds overweight trying to tell him how he should be coaching their kids. Insane. And it's like the the audacity alone. <laughs> the audacity. The audacity alone would be yeah. enough for me to be like, okay, you can come on the mat, and then if you <laughs> show if, me, if something yeah. happens, you know, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll give you my class, and, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then I'll sit on the side and coach you, you know, <laughs> dude. I could totally see you transition into a coach, though, because I think following your career, it's always been interesting to me. You have, like, we it's almost a joke, but, like, how just big and long you are in general. Like, you have that genetic gift, but I feel like you never relied on it from the beginning. Like, you were always technical, even on the regional level. Yeah. Like, your jiu-jitsu especially, I remember just being like, what? he's 6'8", and he's got, like, really slick jiu-jitsu. That's weird. Like, you just don't see that often. 
So what about it made it interesting to you to learn it right versus just being like, well, I'm six eight and I can go beat some dudes? Well, the, um, the thing about jujitsu was, I the thing about jujitsu is I'd always approached it from a from a level of like, <clears throat> I want to be very technical, and I didn't let myself ever resort to like, okay, well that works because you're big. Mm-hmm. Um, and my I told my especially Demko was somebody that I was like, look, I don't really, I don't want to be a big, I want to be good. And, um, and he like took the ball around with that. And he, that's always, cool, he man. Did, he did it. We did it. We were talking last night and he was like, I don't really know if I want to do fighters anymore. And when I was getting ready to move, he told me, he last night was like, I don't really do fighters anymore. Hmm. And when I was getting ready to move 10, eight years ago, he was like, when you're done, I think I'm going to be done with fighters. And he said it was because, um, I think the the culture of fighting is more you know to, to get into fights, mm-hmm. and the, the especially between he and I, it was definitely more of a culture of like just compete, just do it, and let's just get better. Let's just right. Who who cares? Winning, losing, that's all part of the deal. Let's just focus on the process as it were. Get better sure. every day. Um, and it, it's rare to find that, and I'm not patting myself on the back so much as I am just just acknowledging even amongst some of the best in the world, it's like yeah. Are you, are you doing this to, to go out and get a check? Or are you doing this because you genuinely care about your performance and, and doing better? And um, he, uh, <clears throat> um, he'd always done a, we, we'd always kind of like, in a, I don't feel like he ever really had to check me and be like, hey, remember why, you know, it was always a thing where I was like, okay, what did we do to get better? Kind mm. of. Um, one thing that I'll note with my striking was that, it was a long time before I found somebody that matched the vision that I had for myself with striking. Even so, with covert, he was his boxing style when he fought. That he's the type that like he could do all the technical little. He can throw a beautiful jab and awesome combinations. And whenever you tell him to slow down and throw his, his stuff in in like a like how a boxer should, he right. can do it. But he'd be the first to admit that like whenever I get in that ring and smell blood, I just want I just want to get down. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's. More power to him. Like again, that kind of. Whenever I get in the in the ring, I just want to fight. Yeah, yeah. And so with Cobra, it was more a thing where he was, we were like taking cues from each other, but it was more just like, we got lost in like, being like big and strong and beating people up. And then I had another coach who kind of he wanted to like, he wanted me to fight like an infighting style, and I was like, that's not really what I'm trying to right. do. It wasn't really until like, and then whenever I moved to. It came out in the wash, especially when I moved to Florida, because Henry was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah, he, the, the running joke between Henry and I was, you know, after sparring, he'd be like, he would be coach, he'd be yelling advice to me, he'd be like, "You're fucking six eight. Why do you fight like you're five nine? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, caught, I don't want to say cause problem, but that was that was the biggest thing for a long time was, I didn't get any real technical coaching for a long time from Henry. It was, like, mm. hey, use your jab, throw a low kick, throw a switch kick, like. You don't have to be on top of these Don't guys. overthink you, this. Yeah. yeah. And you, more just like, look, like the stylist fighting that you do, you know, slow it down, make it longer kind of thing. I didn't, I didn't really have, Cobra did a good job of teaching it to me, but it was hard to take cues because sometimes we would eventually, a lot of times I feel like just fall back into like, get mean, get fighting. nasty. Yeah. yeah, fighting. And there's, I learned how to fight from mm-hmm. Cobra. No, sure. No doubt. But I wouldn't say I became a proficient striker until I got to Henry. And it was because I was able to carry that that mindset and that mm-hmm. attitude that I learned from Ryan Covert into like the, the technical nuances that I learned from um, Henry and then Sean Soriano, somebody I give a lot of credit to. Um, mm. 
It's a name you don't hear very often, but no, Jason, underrated. Sh- Sean and Jason are that's awesome. The unsung heroes of that gym. I did when I moved to Florida. Like I said, when I first moved to Florida, we're talking about not being a priority when I was on the big show, <laughs> right? You know, when I first moved there, Henry was it was Henry. I could tell he cared about me and wanted to see me grow and learn, but Henry all but said like bro i don't have time for you right now <laughs> and it was crazy he was there and he would help me out when he could but like pads my first two years i was there i got maybe i would get pads with them but it was only if somebody who i was helping out with their jujitsu right pads. okay so if like matt mitrione or stefan struve or one, gotcha, if gotcha. one of them had a fight coming up he'd be like come with matt come with stefan and then that's when i got my my work with henry but there was a period of time a long period like a little more more than a year where um, Sean was, this is year five, six years ago, was slowly making the transition from fighter to coaching. Mm-hmm. And Sean, Sean is a natural, like, people fucking love Sean. Mm-hmm. I think if you met Sean, you would love Sean. Yeah. Sean's everybody's big brother. And I think Sean, as he was settling into that role, I was, he, I was the, th- the first person he really got to, like, print on to. And then, like, mm, he, nice. was, he was learning how to be a coach while I was learning how to be a fighter. Sure. And um, I took a year where my first, my first real actual like knockout, knockout, a big part of it was because Sean was there like helping me every step of the way. And I really got to, I had to slow down everything I was doing. And Sean was patient enough with me that he could like really teach it to me. Mm. And um, like I said, Sean, Sean's a huge part of like the fighter I am today is because, you know, Henry and Sean had to work in tandem the first. Sure two, three years I was there just, just to make sure I got time, you know? Yeah. That process is so interesting to me though, especially with you, because you're right that you kind of had to relearn things when you got back down. Absolutely. But, I did, yeah. but the humility to do that is what's impressive. Like, why weren't you just like, screw this. I'm going back home where I can just, you know, well, that's why be the big fish. Cause I was like, I mean, that's why. And it yeah. Was, so it's the funny thing about <clears throat> the funny thing about the funny thing about, answers or rather the the funny thing about conclusions is that I was talking to somebody about this last night is that the older I get, the more I learn that um, people lean on their own logical understanding of things Mm -hmm. too much. They don't, what what, where people get caught up is that we could all arrive at a different conclusion logically. And that's the thing is as long as there's some sort of rationale involved, they could all be perfectly valid. Mm -hmm. And generally they are. Unless you know the person's schizophrenic, but like, <laughs> sure. but like, um, so I was talking about like, there, there were, there's sometimes there's times where I'm like, fuck this, man, I need to get a real job. Yeah. The thing is, I could logically arrive in that, and <clears throat> ten years from now, I'll be working a job, making, making good money, and look back, and kind of, I could be proud of where I stopped. You know, For like sure. I, I did a lot and I made, made some money, you know, had a world ranking or whatever, fought some good guys. Um, but the thing is that I know that the, the actual truth, the the closest thing you get to the absolute value of truth is that if I were to do that, I'd be like, I stopped too early. Mm-hmm. I just, I still loved it. I still wanted to do it. <clears throat> um, so the thing I'm still like the big fish in the small pond thing is I joke about if I <clears throat> lived around here and made the kind of money I've been making. Bro, I'd have, <laughs> I have like, like four acres and a five bedroom house, yeah. two cars, like all that yeah. shit. 
but the cost of living in Florida is so much more expensive, and the economy now. This is this is its own, its own podcast. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, the, you know, the economy right now fucking sucks. And my point is that um, to make the living that I want and to have the kind of career I want to have, regardless of money or prestige, it doesn't it wouldn't come from me being the big fish in the small pond. And the reason why I left is because I realized like I'm turning into somebody that. I'm turning into somebody that if I stay here, I'll get too comfortable doing mm-hmm. that shit. And I, di- I didn't want to be just a big guy who grappled. I wanted to be somebody who's well-rounded and good everywhere. I wanted to be a somebody that <clears throat> wherever you were bad at, I was going to figure it out and beat you there. And I, as, in spite of, you know, I had awesome coaches, great training partners here, a lot of good guys. I just knew I didn't have the resources I needed. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe, in a diff- maybe, and who's, who's this? It's like one of those, the, uh, the, the catch 22 or whatever that mm-hmm. maybe if I had stayed, I could have cultivated that here, <clears throat> but sure. I mean, that's been the, every fighter who has gone to the next level from here eventually has to go somewhere else to get work. Yeah. And it's, it's just so, hard. Pittsburgh. It's getting there. It is it's, growing oh, for, sure, for sure. For sure. It's just that Pittsburgh and not even, I'm talking about Pittsburgh on the yeah, yeah. bigger scale, not them. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh's different from like, Pittsburgh is different from like in LA or South Florida or even like a Philadelphia in that there isn't a culture for the, the things that were the, the chase your dreams. Right. You know, right. Mindset. Yeah. It's get up at your go seven work. 30. Yeah. Be at work at eight 30. Come home at five. Crack an iron. Drink. Yeah. Crack an <laughs> iron. Exactly. And, and look, there's nothing, you know, hang out with your kid, hang yeah, out with your yeah. wife, you know, um, go, go to Moraine on the weekend, you know, like, and that's fine. That's fucking awesome. And it's admirable. And it is, yeah. Especially the people that do it well and make time for themselves and their kids and you know, work a full-time job. For that's, sure. That's fucking dope. I'm just saying that um, I learned and figured out for myself pretty early that not only is that conducive, it's not conducive <clears throat> in the in the performative sense. There isn't really a culture for that. <clears throat> but the mindset here isn't for that. Mm-hmm. When if you, whenever I told my parents like, yeah, I'm going to move to Florida and try this fighting thing immediately went to, well, okay, how are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to, you know, whatever? Like what, and part of that's, you know, your parents are naturally sure. worried about you. Sure. <clears throat> but, um, it's, it's just as much a thing where it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. Like, what do you mean? You don't care what your living <laughs> standard is like as yeah. long as you get to chase your dream. That's insane. You know? Yeah. And, um, maybe it's a generational thing too. I don't know. But I do feel like in Florida, <clears throat> you know, there are people like that everywhere who are, well, I'm trying to make it at this. I'm trying to make it at that. I'm trying. And then in California, is, there's more people who are like that than there are salt of right. the earth, work right. real job people. But the point is that <clears throat> uh, in California and then in Florida now, you're seeing people who like, they work like these super weird. I couldn't tell you how many people I've met. For every one person I met that works a regular job, I met somebody who's they made their money in drop shipping. Or they, you know, yep. I had a guy, one of my most consistent. Um, I, had, I did privates with him and his wife for a while. He started a consulting business in stocks, and he just he just said he it. he said for the first three years he did it was broke, and then boom, like just popped one day. And that's then, crazy, and man. then just shit like. But that's the thing is, <clears throat> maybe there aren't as many people here, but right. it's also like that that that. Is yeah, it, yeah. It just doesn't exist. It's not part of the fabric no, of Pittsburgh, it, really. No, it's not. Yeah. And it's, it's not. I'm not talking shit. Pittsburgh's magic, dude. Pittsburgh's... I think we can all agree Pittsburgh's the Pitt, best. Pittsburgh's <laughs> the fucking best, and you'll never hear yeah. me say otherwise. It, it's just that that doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's it's 
almost sad because it's like, because it's like, damn, like if we really, if Pittsburgh knew what it was capable of, maybe, yeah. maybe it would. And I don't know, maybe, maybe. We'll see because I, I do think it's changing a little yeah, bit. I the, mean, there's a lot of advances for sure. The sad thing about it is it only started to change after I moved. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that, like you after, were holding us back, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, was the, I was the linchpin. Right? Yeah. But, um. That's any so <clears throat> I can even remember a time whenever I moved that I whenever <clears throat> whenever I moved about a year later, I would I trained at literally every big gym that was here. Yeah. You would see me there at some point. Mm-hmm. I would do the sparring at Saturdays at Henzo's. I would do the, the Monday night at Fight Club. I'd be at Demco's twice a week. I'd be in my boxing gym twice a week. If I ever had a Wednesday that was off or you know, for whatever, I would be at the Matt Factory. Mm. Everybody at every gym at least knew who I was. Sure. But the problem was that you didn't get a lot of. Um, I never saw the Matt Factory guys at Demco's. I never saw the Demco guys at Henzo's. I never. The the Fight Club guys was almost always the Ohio guys that came over yep. to us. Um, to get uh to get Adam Milstead out of fucking Fight Club was like quarantine, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> but and what it was tough for me at the time because I was like, how do you? I feel like you guys are all missing so much. Like we, especially now, and I never felt never felt like I was saying anything more truthful except for right now in that. If the culture could find a way to, the scene could find a way to come together, and like really learn and grow with each other, Pittsburgh would be a force. Mm-hmm. It's just that <clears throat> it felt like it was never going to get figured out. And I'll be damned if a year after moving, <laughs> I didn't see a picture of Lou Armazani, <clears throat> Isaac Greeley, and Mike Demko all in Lou's yeah. open mat yep. on a Friday night. And I was like, "You motherfuckers, <laughs> wait until I move to start to figure it. this out." Exactly. Yeah, and now Stout. I mean, Stout Saturday sparring. It's like every gym gets together and they right. all work together on Saturdays. Man, it's it's pretty cool. That's it what, is. I can remember a time when it was me. If I could ever drag Josh Friend and yeah. Tom Gordon, if I could ever drag him and Tom out of bed, we don't fucking all go down there. <laughs> but even but even then, it was like. And yeah. I was here a few weeks ago for my brother's first pro fight, and I texted Isaac to see what was going on. I was like, maybe I'll catch an open mat somewhere. And he said uh, Saturday morning was sparring at Henzo's. I didn't know it was that big. I thought, mm-hmm. it was- yeah, it's, it's a big, big thing for sure. I mean, we've got Academy Stout Mat Factory there. There's very few wow. gyms that aren't like working together now, which I- a- as a promotion, it's double sided because of course Tough. we would want local versus oh, I local. Spar with him, yeah, yeah but. I totally respect that side of things too. We're like, because common Devonte Smith had that before they fought in the UFC. It was like, why yeah. would we fight now and ruin each other's dreams right. instead of helping each other get there? And then it ended up working out well for them. Yeah, too. for sure. For sure. So we see both sides. But that's that. what I'm like, like the, I'm not, not you, but like you see all the time promoters be like, no, this is about, this is a killer kill. Yeah. Killer be killed thing. And it's the, the great irony of that is it's like, no, like the fighters know, you know? <laughs> right. So like, I just saw last night that like Ian Gary and Vicente are, mm-hmm. are going to fight each other now. Yeah. What's up? That's crazy. I, I, I truth, truthfully, I don't know. And even if I did, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't feel comfortable talking. Sure. About it. But my, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, one thing I do feel comfortable saying, and I think it's, it's all but apparent now is that whatever it is that the two feel about each other, whether it's animosity, whether it's, necessity whether mm-hmm. it's hey this is our career let's just do it and get it over with kind of thing it goes to show that um there's more to be gained from them fighting each other right now than there's from them being training partners and that's again if that's really how they feel about that's it, a good like, point god yeah. bless them but then linton and i famously if i've been asked once i've been asked a thousand times like when are you and linton gonna fight and linton and i both are like 
bro. <laughs> like that's the, and here's the thing. I train with several heavyweights now and I would I can honestly say I would entertain the idea of fighting some of them. Mm-hmm. And not not because not because I don't love them or respect them and it definitely not be the thing where look, let's just fight. We'll take mm-hmm. we'll take 10 weeks away, we'll fight and then we'll have you right back. Come you know? right back. Yeah. And then we'll and we'll get back to work and then we don't have to worry about it again. Yeah, true. And then this uh Darian Abbey like mm-hmm. we fought and then within a year we were training together. And it, it worked out beautifully. And it's <laughs> Linton's Linton's <clears throat> one of the few guys that's like, no, not happening. <laughs> and then even him, like, the comforting thing about it is that, like, if you were to ask him about it, he would also be like, no, like, <laughs> yeah. There's just, but the whatever the diminishing returns is, you know, what do they talk about? For sure, that's one where we both just look at it and we're like, it's just not worth it, dude. And you know, I mean, it's not even so much of a like because we we like each other a lot, we're close, yeah. But also because like, because uh, it's like. Bro, we fight each other three times a week. <laughs> what do we have? What are we gonna do in a cage? You know, right? And then it's also a thing where it's like, when <clears throat> I'm getting ready for a fight, the one guy I look forward to having in the gym is like, right, and vice versa. Like exactly. The other, so I was getting ready for this thing, and it was, um, I woke up to go to to Cyborgs. It was Tuesday morning at six forty-five in the morning. You have to you get to Cyborgs in Miami. You have to wait. You have to leave an hour and a half early. And I woke up at seven o'clock, and Linton told me that one of the guys he was going to work with <clears throat> couldn't go. And he was like, mm. can you come up and give me work? So I texted the guys at Cyborg, hey, sorry, I'm not going to make it today. And it was... Instant. But that's what I'm saying is like, there aren't many people I feel that way about. Right. Most people, even the guys I like, I'm like, look, it's, it's just business. Let's just do it. And we don't have to worry about it anymore. Linton's one of those guys where it's... if you, And I told Wagner the next time I saw him, like, look, there aren't... If I have something coming up, it's like, look, like, mm-hmm. love and respect. Like, I can't. I have yeah. thing. Linton's one of those guys that... It's always, as a promoter, it's interesting whenever I see, like, Dana, Dana White, yeah. give people slack for not doing it. And, like, Aljo and Marab, probably the most yeah. recent example, they're like, we're not fighting each other, period. Yeah. And he, like, tries to flip it on them like they're bad people, not about that life. And it's like, dude, there's there's a bigger level above it than yeah this fight. Well, I feel, and I feel like that is um, predatory is the best way I could say it. I think to say it. Not, not predatory, like a direct attack, but like deliberately trying to use the diatribe to turn yeah. it into such a way that it's like you're making it into something it's not. For sure. And it's, so like with Linton and I, it's very much a thing where it's like, Linton's like my big brother and I'm not, I don't, I'm very careful about who I call brother. Mm-hmm. Linton's somebody that I, bro, like he knows my kid, he knows my wife, like mm-hmm. he was, the, the night that I got engaged he was there. It was, it's just like, Linton's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. I don't need to fight him. Yeah. I just don't. I just fucking don't. My own brother, who I fought probably a thousand <laughs> times. Again, there's people, who's a better boxer? Who's a better this? It's like, bro, I've been fighting him for fucking 27 years. <laughs> when, when I haven't been keeping score. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, bro, we're a few paychecks behind. So, and then Dana, my favorite thing that Dana White was doing for a while there, and again, it's hard to fault him for it because, again, Dana White's in the fight making game. Yeah, you have to. You, you have get to, why, exactly. of course, you get why. I get it, and even and even to some degree, I think I understand where he's coming from. But like for a while, he was doing that. What well, they didn't want to fight, mm-hmm. he was saying mm-hmm. that, which which means that he offered people the fight, and for whatever reason, they said, "Hey, to make that make sense, we have <clears> right. to do this." And so to to counter by saying they didn't want the fight is truthful enough in that, yeah, they didn't want to fight. They didn't want the offer presented, but yeah. it it 
has a certain amount of uh, you know, like well, that's not really for sure. Going. It's not for that they, sure. It's not that the desire wasn't there. It's just that it didn't make enough yep. sense. Yeah. And then again, so when they talk about fighting, like people that I train with, it's like, look, like Elias, I have somebody I trained with in the past. And again, like, and he's not somebody I was close with. Cool mm-hmm. guy. Mm-hmm. We and I, I think even he had admitted, yeah, he's a nice guy, but whatever. Yeah. That's the thing where it's like. Bro, <laughs> what are we really doing? Like, <laughs> like fuck it, let's just you know. Let's and then even it, yeah. even him, it's like he was just a we were just a pit stop at each other's lives, like, right? Like, bro, that was cool that we did, but like, let's. And then it's, whenever I get ready to fight him, it was like this is fucking dope. Like, he wanted after we trained together, he went on and won that tournament. Yeah. So it's like this is, this is a big opp- the opportunity. I don't care if I ever train with you again. A win over you would be big, phenomenal. And then yeah. you know, whenever we're whenever we're fifty five, we can if I laugh about it. Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, we had a fucking good one. You know, like. That's so cool. That's what I mean. Like, um, especially in the, the the culture of fighting, that promoters, for as much as they w- they want it to be a legitimate sport, are still resorting to the the barbaric. For you know, sure, you know, like no, this is the fight business bullshit, and it's 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 exhausting because mm-hmm. they don't they really don't know which direction they want to take it. How involved are you? Because it's funny, us being a regional MMA promotion, it's almost. It's it's rare that a fighter has a manager at all, let alone one that like really knows what he or she is doing. How involved are you in like accepting fights with Bellator? Do you even handle that at all at have, this point? I have an agent. Um, Does he like talk to you about the offer? Like, no, are you no. cool with this, or just you just trust him? Yeah, but he. I've had three in, okay. my, in my career. <clears throat> my first one was Glenn Robinson. Mm-hmm. Uh, rest in peace. And um, Glenn was a guy who. <clears throat> Glenn he was a guy who took on too much. Mm. Yeah. Nice dude. I really think he had his, his head and his heart were were in the right place at when he started. Mm-hmm. But it quickly outgrew the took scope. Took on a life of its own for yes. sure. Yeah. And, and then it outgrew the scope not only of of what he thought he could handle, but also what not just the size of it outgrew him, but mm-hmm. the scope and the right. capability he was not. It was a wild empire there for yeah. a, like a split second. Oh, it was yeah. crazy. And I got it to, I got in at the tail end, but I still saw some of like the <laughs> bro. <laughs> and then just just the secondhand stories I'd have for you. About yeah. That's what went on there. Um but anyway, nice guy, but was did not have my best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. Not not I'm not not even speaking maliciously, just Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't. He was overwhelmed. He, could yeah. not. he actually he dropped me, which was a weird hmm. I don't want to say weird. And when him and Henry fell out that's so like for the for every one Wagner Rocha, there's ten mm-hmm, Henry, mm-hmm. Henry and Glenn's. Right. Um and I, even that one, it's you have to side with Henry on that one. Like, mm-hmm. look, he it wasn't working out and he left, you know. <clears throat> I think he knew I was gonna go with Henry wherever he went. Sure. And he dropped me. But my thing was I was like, it, it whatever. Glenn didn't work <laughs> out. Glenn didn't work out. The next group that I had, Janice Sports, where again, um, I had to let them go because I just didn't didn't feel like I was. Um, I don't know how to say it. I feel like they were doing their job as, yeah. as well as they could. And that's just a fact of the matter. And again, nice people and it, really cool guys. I still I see Matt Aptiker is his name. I see him from time to time, and it, it's always positive and friendly mm-hmm. when I see him. But it just was not working out. Totally fair. But I'm with um, Vayner Sports now, so Lloyd Pearson's my agent. Okay, and um, he has you know. Handful of people that work under him from time to time, and Lloyd and I have a great relationship. And Lloyd's a guy that, when as soon as I met him, matched the vibe that that I kind of wanted from him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's a fucking killer, and he's the type that like 
whenever I get off the phone with, if I ask him something and we get off the phone, I know he's going to not only going to make headway and handle it, but whenever I pick up the phone, he's already going to, whatever conversation happened beforehand, it's already going to have momentum wise gone the way that he knows that I would have wanted it to. Mm. So the, the first Moldovsky fight was a perfect example in that <clears throat> he called me and was like, yeah, so they want to do Moldovsky in August. And before I'd even had the chance to say it, he was like, so I told him we have to redo your contract. And I was like, yes, nice. yes, that is <laughs> exactly you. what I'm fucking talking about. My, I felt like there might have been other people, even other managers that I know, they would have been like, no, 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 this is a big chance for you to step up. Let's just, my agent not only had the, the presence of thought mm-hmm. to be like, what can we do with this? But also was the, in tune with you. In yeah. tune with me enough to know that like, he's that's not gonna, awesome, dude. Yes. And then you don't get that. You There's only a handful of, managers agents blah 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 in the sport that have the the capacity to handle that very true and um he's so like i said i might be a rare exception but my my agent and i are very close nice um we have a great relationship he's like i consider him a good friend i think even when he that's like when i talk about when i'm done fighting and i'm I'm in a more of like a administrative role i see myself if i'm not coaching maybe working with him in some capacity that'd be cool it'd be really i think you'd be good at that for sure yeah and, uh, and, I, and that's something like I don't. <clears throat> if I were to do it, the only person I could see myself doing it with is Lloyd, mm-hmm. and um, and not just not just in the sense of like, I there's a lot of people I couldn't take direction from a lot of people for one, and for two, Lloyd's the guy that not only could I take direction from him, but I kind of, hey, I need your help. Like, what, what do we do about this? Yeah. Kind of thing? Um. <clears throat> but to, the direct answer to the question would just be that yeah, like I, I talked to him, but it's already been. What I like about it is, like I said, it's already been vetted through the the Steve way of thinking. Sure. So by the time I have the offer at me, it's it's fully digested, yep. and I already know exactly how he feels about it, what he thinks, you know, nice. what the direction is going to be, and then more often than not, it just ends in like a yes or no kind of whatever it is. That's he brings huge. To me. And that, that the amount of <clears throat> the amount of stress that takes off me to mm-hmm. by the time it's gotten to me and it's already been thought over by somebody who knows what, what they're doing, what they're talking about, is like. It's worth every penny of the huge the, man the, of the the percentage of my purse I pay. On. Yeah, you're also at a level which probably makes it easier. If like, there's only a handful of guys you could possibly fight right now. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's, it's that's what I'm saying about it's it feeling more and more like a job every day. Like, yeah, I probably I have met most of the guys that right. I want to fight. You know, exactly. Tyrell Fortune is a guy that it is possible I might fight him at some point. We had a fight booked and it, I got yeah. in custom practice. Um. That that's a guy. He even after that fight didn't work out. He came and he trained with us. And it's you know like crazy. It's you know it's like one of those. I learned to kind of like put it in the back seat now. Like it's, <laughs> well, if it happens, it happens. But like yeah, let's just get the session done with. You know, it is kind of funny to think of like on our end of things with regional MMA. I mean, we could when we book. Let's just take Justin Patton for in, for yeah. instance. Could he could fight anybody? Hell it could yeah. be anybody in the United States. We have no idea. But for you, like at that level, Dalton's the same way. Cody Law the same way. Like. It's a handful of guys. You know the options at hand. Mm-hmm. Are you like constantly studying the heavyweight division? Yeah, not not from like a, I might have to fight him standpoint. Like I, I really like to see how purely from a curiosity standpoint. I like mm. to see how the game's evolving. Yeah, I yeah. Like to see what people are doing. I like to see like where different styles fit in. Sure. Know, and it's cool to see, so like <clears throat> even to uh, to some degree, I do it in other sports. I watch like the the. They just did worlds. It was really cool to see what what guys are doing in wrestling now. Mm-hmm. Jiu jitsu, like I was talking to Demko about it, <clears throat> and part of the deal is with jiu jitsu is 
<clears throat> well, I do feel like I'm a good grappler. And so I was talking to Cyborg about how I was like, <clears throat> when I roll with fighters who are good grapplers, I usually do really get, well. I get my way, you know, yeah. or yeah, do really, at least do really well. And um, <clears throat> it's just that the the level of skill and like the <clears throat> what's what is uh, what is considered optimal position and you know whatever is just different. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just not. And then so like with to to grapple Logan Stout is it's just a testament to how like <clears throat> things that go to the wayside <clears throat> in MMA grappling mm-hmm. are you know positions options offensively whatever that really are not part of the the MMA zeitgeist yeah are commonplace in jiu-jitsu and it just goes it is to show. interesting yeah and it, yeah. so um especially with MMA when i like i like to watch <clears throat> especially other heavyweights not just from like uh okay i'm going to have to fight him what would i do thing but also from like uh oh okay they're doing that out there now like mm. we're seeing <clears throat> like the russians are like they they have this a similar Russian. Their striking is very similar and very like slow control, but everything they do is fast and hard kind of mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. But they're like you're seeing a lot more of them do like spinning kicks now. Not For sure, so, not so much like a traditional kickboxing style. Um, and it's it's just interesting to see. That's just one of several examples. And you see like the the West Coast guys fight different from the East Coast guys. I think about how like so like in Pittsburgh for a long time. Striking was not part of the no, not part of the referendum no. <laughs> at all. Yeah. It, was, it was who's the better wrestler? Wrestling, yes. Yeah. And it was and again not like a bad thing, but it just goes to show, like, okay, well, the talent pool in our part of the world is so wrestling based. Yeah, that's what the, you know, and it's just it's so interesting to see. Like, I mean, part of it, it admittedly for me is like, okay, well, what do I have to do to stay ahead of the curve? Mm-hmm. But part of it's cool just to see like the the uh, the forensics of it like yeah. how did it get that way why is it like that you it know? is cool to study that man in jiu-jitsu it's all leg locks now yep. like yep literally 60% leg locks which is funny because <clears throat> because like 10 years ago like wrestlers were really bursting onto the scene i think leg locks emerged as a necessity because people didn't know how to deal with the top pressure sure and now so it's <clears throat> it's crazy that like 10 years ago guys that were beating dudes with toe holds and heel hooks and shit like that it's crazy to see how that turned into the game as it is now where everybody's playing a bottom game. Everybody's, Super sophisticated, yeah. And it, it's just on top of one being my job to know it, it's just interesting. Interesting. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking dope, you know? Yeah, we notice, man, we talk about this a lot of even in amateur MMA, the evolution, the overall skill level is so much higher. Just in, I've been with 247 now for like two and a half years. And just in that amount of time, I've seen like debut amateurs that look like they could have been pros five years ago. Like that was the level of like local pro. Like these guys are coming out and they just look so much better. I'm sure it's a variety of things. Yeah. But I think the evolution of the game and that well-roundedness is just kind of ingrained now. Like before, if you said, I want to be an MMA fighter, it's like, okay, you're what a boxer that's going to have to learn how to knock it taken down or something. But now they're coming up and they're just MMA fighters. Yeah. And we've heard that for a long time. Like I remember when Roy McDonald was blasting the UFC, they're like, Oh, he's the first generation that's been learning it all. But like, there's truth to that. And we're seeing it now, even with amateurs, especially with Roy McDonald, because even Roy McDonald for being the first generation of that was still so ahead of the curve. Yeah. Like for sure. So ahead of the curve. And, um, it's just, so Roy McDonald was a flash in the pan. Mm -hmm. Like even the guys who are the first generation guys who are around now. Yeah. Still are not that good. 
Yeah. But it just goes to show that, I mean, and to like to put some season in the gumbo about you get the big groups together. Crazy things happen when you get a bunch of minds in one room and you remove the the competitive element. Well, not the competitive. Like you need the competitive element. When sure. you remove the, I don't even think ego is the right word. When you remove the the outcome element. Okay. And just say, good like, way to put let's, it. Just, yeah. let's just yeah. fucking rock, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so like I got heel hooked last night. And while it sucks and it's uncomfortable and you know, I'm pissed off that I lost, <clears throat> it, just that little element of like, okay, like, in that instant, what did I learn? What can I apply to it? When you get when you get that on a large scale, so I'm thinking about we're talking about the the strip district, yeah. Kansas. Yep. Okay, so like that big fucking room they have in the back is I presume that's where yep. they all. So you get, I mean, I this is the every day for me. But you think about okay, Saturday you have twenty thirty guys usually. What? Mm-hmm. And I'm just guessing. I have no idea. Okay, but, I don't go. So I'll, I'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you don't get down with these boys. <laughs> yeah. When you um. When you think about, um, so Kill Cliff is a great example, right? Tuesday, Thursdays are our sparring days. And that's what, um, you never know who's going to show up. No. And sometimes, so. That's wild. So that's the thing. It's, it's, I would say 95% of the time, it's, it's the usual suspects. But then, like, Jarrell Miller, the boxer, mm-hmm. will just show up. Mm-hmm. He's a cool guy. People love him. But, like, he's just so radically different than what we're used to that it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it. Yeah, but that change that that little bit of whatever causes enough change for people to low, grow and learn. <clears throat> Tyrone Spong was so a, cool. a great example. I was helping Tyrone Spong fought Sergey Karatanov about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and the same thing. Me sparring with Tyrone Spong was such a culture shock because of how significantly advanced his his acumen was. Yeah, from even the good MMA strikers. Mm-hmm. It was just so far ahead and so far advanced, and his not just his his skill and technical ability, but his experience. Mm-hmm. I felt like just that what the three four weeks of sparring I did with him did so much to my game to make me just stop and think like, what can I do to be optimizing, be better, you know, yep. whatever. <clears throat> that it's constantly learning, growing, we you know, whatever. So in in, in the, like I said in Pittsburgh, if we could really find a way to like, <clears throat> if the there really were a way to like get everybody together and start cultivating that more and more. And again, like it's, it's hard to do because uh, the, the competition on the, on the, it exists on the stage. Yeah. No, you're right. It does exist. Not just on, the, not just on the, in the cage, but on the yeah, inter, yeah. interpersonal levels, there's some degree of, and why shouldn't there be? There's some degree of competitiveness between the coaches, you know, like mm-hmm. I want to have my program be better than your program. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that if we could find a way to, to, to bounce the great, the, the Isaac Greeley's off the Mike Demko's off the Tommy Costas of the, you know, whatever, yeah. <clears throat> if we could find a way to, to do that more in a healthy way with growth, the goal, I really think Pittsburgh could be something special. I, th- I do genuinely think that's starting to happen too. I like we're so. seeing it more and more and shout out Tommy Costa. I actually have a text from him that I'm not able to read yet, but I saw he texted me. So I'm excited to see what that's Tommy about. Tommy Costa's another, I should have shouted <laughs> He's him the out. man. He was a guy I trained. I went to his open mat every Friday for like nice. a year and a half. A lot of good. That's what I'm saying. There's a, a lot. Yeah, I had a really good run of it for. I mean, for a long time, I had a lot of like all the local coaches around here were all very welcoming, very patient, very in a in a in a world where not only did they not have to be well, not have to let me come train there, but they also could have told me to go fuck myself. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. And it's like it's just I'm very grateful that like, at least we were talking earlier about like. The success I've seen did not walk wait, walk hand in hand with having the right people in my life. Yeah, Tommy Costa. Shouts to Tommy Costa. 
and you know Lou Armazani and Demko mm-hmm. Greeley and it could go on forever of guys who were just cool, just understanding. They just wanted they wanted to get the best training from themselves and then get the best training with me and so on and so forth. Yeah, I th- I think it's obviously made you the fighter you are today and being down in florida of course is huge Mm -hmm. for you and your development how do you see yourself because we talk so much about your grappling which is for sure what you were known for at first but i do feel like your striking caught up significantly in florida how what do you think of yourself as now like where do you feel most comfortable i really i'm not a i'm not a grappler anymore (laughs) it's just the truth yeah they're even even on the mma day so like my first move to black zillions I dreaded the kickboxing game, especially because those guys were fucking. It was a strike. I heard jam. stories about that, and it was bro. Like <laughs> we could do. I don't know how long we've we been talking. Almost two whole hours. I could spend <laughs> probably three hours just of fucking stories of yeah. pe- of like we're talking about like the most horrifying shit you've probably ever heard of. One time here was like once a week, <laughs> just constantly. Yeah, yeah. And it was so you talk about so like um. Like Tyrone, I couldn't tell you how many times I heard about Tyrone Spong putting somebody on their face or like. Oh, dude. Well, this, so yeah. The, so this is a well, or little known story. Before I fought Tyrell Fortune, I was the one that the time I had to pull out. I was sparring with Phil Haas. And Phil Haas is a stud, great athlete, really mm-hmm. good everywhere. And he knocked me out with a kick because I was dropping down the right hand of the body and he was throwing like a body kick. But it just so happened I bumped into his leg at the same time that I came up. Mm. And it's crazy how like. Yeah, I had to. You have to attribute part of that to skill to Phil Haas for sure. But even that is, it's just like one of those things, like, yeah, the unstoppable force. That sucks. Like, boom! Like these car crash moments where, and then again, like that's just one of several times where, like, I've been on the receiving end, I've been on the giving end a couple of times. But the, the fact of the matter is, like, um, when you're when you're in an environment like that, it you, <clears throat> it would have been. I could have arrived at a logical conclusion <laughs> that, like, man, fuck, like. I want to be able to say my kids' names on a motor. Mm-hmm. Or what I did was like, fuck it, I'm still going to go. I'm still going to get my best. I'm still going to, yeah, you know, whatever, and, and just say, fuck it, let's figure it out. And I, over time in that environment, I I don't think I won my first round there, my first real kickboxing round until I was there for like a year. And then I wasn't competitive with like the good guys until <clears throat> until three years ago. And then even That's now, crazy, even now, I have dude. days where I'm that like, Man, "Fuck, I'm like, so far behind." Yeah, like, fuck, you know, I'll have a little hammy my ass one round, or like, yeah. a guy that I've never even met. But we had an amateur in a couple. I was thinking about a couple of days ago. We had this amateur in like a year and a half ago who was just in town for like a few days, and he he was like two thirty and like kind of overweight. And I was like, okay, like we have to take it easy on the new guy. Oh and god! After five minutes of working with him, I was like, where the fuck did this guy come from? <laughs> Who was and it? Do you know? Just some amateur from like Indiana or something. Did like he that. have a like a crazy background or anything no, that you didn't was, know about? He was, he was like, he'd either just got started as a pro or he was finishing. I want to. He was told me six and three. I think as an amateur, and he's getting ready to go pro. And that's what I'm saying, dude. These it, amateurs nowadays are like, like different. <laughs> and he and this not even just not even just that he like. Sparted ass off, but he was doing shit that I was like, I couldn't do that. Where you just, yeah, he was fighting like it. He did not to like sell out practice, but he was fighting more of like a counterfighting style. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I didn't know how to do that until two years ago. Yeah, I couldn't have done what you just did until that's crazy. And I've been here for eight years, yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. uh, so we're talking about four years ago now. I was like, that's something I only just recently figured out. Yeah. And he's doing it like he'd been doing it his Crazy. whole life. And I was like, again, we're talking, he's like overweight. He's probably like a middleweight is what he really was. Mm-hmm. 
and he, like a young kid. And I was like you said, it's just like, man, why are they fucking feed these kids now? <laughs> Good for him, man. That's killer. Well, I, we could go for a lot longer, but I do not want you to miss your flight. That would be the worst thing. So let's uh, let's bookend this one, but make a plan next time Absolutely. you're in town. I mean, if October 20th, if, if you seriously well, are we'll free and want to grapple, whenever, whenever, let's whenever, talk. Whenever we're off the camera, we'll talk about We're going to be talking about this. Ladies and gentlemen, tall Steve Mowry, the legend this might be the first time, Danny Palm, we take the post-podcast picture and the guest is taller than me. Like, significantly taller, like, too. Like, notably. Oh, like, yeah. yeah like, like you, look, you, look, you look like you're short. Like, I'm a kid next to you. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah. I hate it. Thank you for having me, <laughs> Pittsburgh. People. Pittsburgh, I love you. I don't live here anymore, but this will always be my town, and you'll always be my people. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Another round of applause. <laughs>